Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Anyone have uh, uh, siblings? Anybody have siblings? Um, how many of you guys love your siblings? <laughs> There's a few of you. Um, I have um, not only uh, one child, not only two children, not only three, not even four. Yes, there is more than three. Not only four, but I have a five-piece McNugget chicken meal. I have five kids, and I am always stressed <laughs> and always lacking sweet. But what I would... Um, Observed about my kids is, you know, they, they love each other. Uh, they are angels. Like, they are just, they love each other. But what I've noticed about them is that I've never seen a group of people so quick to turn on each other. <laughs> like, as much as they love each other and they're uh, angels and they just, like, I have never seen a group of kids go from BFFs to YWE, your worst enemy. My kids snitch on each other. They tattletale on each other. And I get it because they're siblings. And there's this little, like, weird, unknown, unspoken, like, who's trying to be, like, the, like the best kid. Now, I know this because I have siblings myself. Here we go again. I'm there. I have a brother who is six years apart. Oops. Check. Oh, buddy. Oh, check. Hello, buddy. Excuse me. Check. Check. Yeah, just hand me that. It's wireless. Hello. Check. Oh. Oh, glory. Glory be to God. It's all right. Here. I'll take that there just in case. Thanks, Sheila. Everybody hand clap for Sheila. Thank you. <laughs> I have a brother, and we are uh, six years apart. Now, we went through um, a season, like all brothers, we were going off on each other. I mean, fighting, we're competitive. He's the brains of our family. He's smart, he's talented, and I was the bomb of the family. Like, like, like you know, I'm that guy. So we're fighting, and of course, we grew up in like a, like a single mom household. And so my mom, as you can tell, is a black mama. So she don't play at all. So there was one particular season where we are fighting. I mean, we are going after it. Like we are just tearing each other apart. And I have no idea like what happened. But there was one particular moment where he set me off. Now, this again is Bradford, B.C. So this is Bradford before Christ. Okay, so don't judge me in your little nice seat down there. Don't, don't judge a brother, okay? So we're fighting, and something happened. He, he set me off, and I go find, um, 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 like, my baseball, because I loved baseball back then. Not, not much now, but I did back then. So I grabbed my baseball, and just out of anger, I'm like, Aah! I just threw it. And I noticed that it went in his direction. Now, I didn't plan for it to go in that direction. I was just expressing my emotion of anger and frustration. But I threw the ball, 
like in his uh, direction, and it just, it hit him right in the face, and he was stomping up the stairs, and it hit him so hard, he actually fell down the stairs. I mean, it's like a movie. He's like, pump, 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 pump. I'm like, it's crazy. And for probably, no joke, no lie, for probably about six seconds, he was knocked out. Now, in my head, I'm like, yes! I'm the only child now. <laughs> You're out, buddy. Three strikes. So his head is exploded. I mean, his head is swollen. He looks like he has like a, uh, uh, like a, a 10 bit on his head. I mean, it's massive. So, of course, he regains his, um, his consciousness and he screams, Mom! Now, if there's a moment that I wish I knew the Lord, it would be that specific day. If there was a moment that I wish I spoke in tongues, the heavenly language, to connect to the heavenlies, it would be that day. And my mom comes storming down, what happened? And all she looks and sees is my brother looks like the humped back of Notre Dame. This face all marred up. It's crazy. What happened? He was like, he, he, he threw a baseball at me. And something happened. Now, of course, I was expecting to die that day. I was, ex I was expecting to see the creator of heavens and earth that day. But she does something that was actually not like her. Like instead of, you know, like a healthy, you know, parent, you know, instead of reprimand us and instead of punish us, she does something. She grabbed us both like together. She looks at me and she looks at him. She, she said, boys, you need to get along. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because we're family. Because you are brothers. And I'm not sure what you need to do to figure this whole thing out. But you need to figure this thing out because you are brothers. Now, back in the day, I thought, well, so? Like, so we're brothers. That doesn't have to do with anything. But, of course, looking back, I realized is that she was trying to, to, to teach us that, that the idea of family supersedes whatever is happening between me and my brother. That we had to actually make a choice and put back our, our, our things between us and who's right and who's wrong and who hates each other and who was born first and who's mad and all this stuff. We had to put that all aside for the main reason is because we are brothers and we love each other. Paul is doing the exact same thing between Philemon, who is a friend and a brother and a partner, and then Onesimus, who is now a son in his faith. He is looking at them, not as a person trying to take sides, but he's looking at the boys, and he said, boys, you have to get along. And they're like, why? Because you're brothers. There's something between you guys, that's actually far greater than the barriers like between you two. Now, back in that day, not only the sin of Onesimus and how he had wronged Philemon, but then you had the whole uh, uh, dynamic of slave and free. 
the whole idea of master and slave. And so Paul is actually trying to bring them to a place where they not only have to break the barrier of their sin, but they also have to live above the whole like, like slavery thing. So this was a risk for everyone. And Paul does something that is super subtle, but he brings them around this idea that we are a family. And he, and he, he says it right here in verse 6. And this is like, like the key. Like we want to, like, no, Lord have mercy. If we want to know what, like, what Paul is really trying to say, like we look at what he's praying for. And he prays for this in verse 6. He prays it. He says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. What is Paul saying? He's saying that our partnership, our partnership together should produce in you good works. This idea of a partnership is not a word that we think. It's not like a business deal. It's not like some type of contract. This word partnership means a, um, a covenant, something that's deeper, something that is more uh, like, like, like spirit. This word comes from um, a Greek word called konania. So if you are like around church, like you know that word because that word means spirit fellowship. It means intimacy. It means closeness. It means that we are indwelled in one another. See, when we think of the word fellowship or partnership, we think about that old, you know, that old Baptist church, like, you know, like in the woods, like somewhere, right? Or when we think of fellowship, we think of potlucks. Who loves potlucks, everybody? We need to bring potlucks back. Come on, y'all. The punch, the tuna sandwiches, the green bean casserole, the potato, like we need to bring, and so for some of us, we think that Fellowship is just being in the same room. For some of us, we think that, like, that fellowship is just hearing a word. That's for 35 minutes. Or that fellowship is Sunday school or a camp that you went to. But this idea of fellowship means that something is deeper, that we are knit, like, to, like we are knit together, that is just something powerful. When Jesus came to the planet, he not only saved souls, but he is redeeming a family. He not only is is trying to save people and save lost people. No, it's more than that. He is trying to redeem a family. And this has been his plan from the beginning, is that he reveals his glory through family. Not mere soldiers not mere um, employees or workers, that he is redeeming a family full of his sons and daughters, that when we place our faith and when we place our trust in Jesus, there is a blood transfusion, that we are no longer known by what's outside of us. We are now connected and known by what's inside of us, which is the gospel of grace that we all share. And now we're all brothers and sisters. And this is exactly what Paul is, is, is trying to show Philemon. Is that the gospel 
brings us together in the gospel of grace that we now all believe in, me, you, and, and, uh, and Anisimus, we all share something that is greater than the thing that is dividing you. And that is the gospel of Jesus that we call now the church. The church is more than a building. A church is more than just a sermon. It's people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all skin colors, all races. And I love the church. I personally love the church. You know my story, of course I grew up without uh, like a dad in the house. And the way that I learned what family was, was from the church. I, like, I went to church, and I saw how we laughed and loved one another, and potlucks, and, we, and, and I saw what family actually was. I, saw, I learned that from the church. I met my wife in youth group. Hey, it happens. Grade eight, grade nine, yes, I went older, y'all. I leveled up. We met in church. We met in church. Like we lived in church, and, and, and we've learned marriage from the church. We've learned how to be married by watching you and watching the saints of old and watching our fathers and, and mothers and, and how, they, how they love one another. I learned that from the church. I learned what it means to be a man from the church. That men like Dan Lamos and men like Andrew Wixton and and men that rallied around me that while, of course, I was without my physical father, I had men that wasn't even related to me show me how to mature and show me how to handle pressure and show me what to do when I want to run and escape from things and I want to be, like, I, I learned this from the church. Here I am and I'm a, a youth pastor and I have my son in my own youth group. Scary. Like my son is hearing me preach week to week now. And there was one particular moment where one of our youth leaders pulled him aside and she just loved on him and encouraged him. But he's the pastor's kid. He should be perfect. (laughs) That's far from the case. This is the, the fellowship that Paul is talking about. That we don't just gather week to week, three you know, times a week and say that's the body. The body is something way more deeper and so much more thicker than blood. And that's why there are people in your life and in my life who feel way more like family than actually family. Because there's a sameness. There's a spirit that is shared. And that's why there are some people... Like in your life, who feel like family. They, they just are part of your, your squad, your people. Because this idea that God created is that we are a family. And we are connected. That we indwell one another. That we do life together. We learn from each other. And ultimately, we grow together. But of course, understanding this idea of, of family means like a, means a, a, 
few things like for us. And the first thing is this, is that Jesus is the head of his family. Being a part of the family God means, means something, is that Jesus is the head of the family. Here's what the Bible says. Paul says this. He says, the son, Jesus, is the, is the um, image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Hear this. He is the what? Come on. He is the what? He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Jesus is the head of his family, right? That truth will change everything. Because if Jesus is the head of his family, that means that he's the one who sets the criteria of who is a part of his family. If he's the head of this family, then he's the one that calls the shots on who is a part of his family. That when God sent Jesus flesh and bones on, when he went to the earth, he died and he rose again and he tore the veil from top to bottom. That was, that was the wall like dividing him, not just from, from, from him to us, but from each other. Jew and Greek, and he, he removed that wall so that he can create this one new humanity that looks exactly like the Garden of Eden. So the walls that are, of course, in the church is not because Jesus put them there. It's because we've allowed them there. Y'all are real quiet today. If Jesus broke down every single wall and barrier and excuse racism, Jew and Greek, I mean culture, if he broke that wall down so that we can share in this divine partnership with God the Father and each other, there should be no walls that exist. No walls. And the walls that are there is because we as people have made walls. And it's nothing like this past two years where we have seen division in God's church. We have seen us create walls that the gospel even calls irrelevant. Now, yes, I believe that there are major, of course, issues that the church needs to step into and be uh, um, um, vigilant in that, but there are certain things that have divided us. Walls. And what Paul is trying to say to Philemon, guess what, buddy? He's your brother, whether you like it or not. And because we share that slave and master, they don't exist anymore. And this is his brilliant case against Slavery. He brought it down by saying, you know what's better? You know what's greater? You know what's 
bigger than slave and master in this whole um, institution. It's the family of God. That the family of God supersedes all the barriers like between us. Whether you're black or white, whether you are Jew or Greek, whether you are slave or master, whether you are conservative or um, 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 liberal, whether you love Joe Biden or not, whether you love Trudeau or not, we are one redeemed family. And God is building his church, whether you like it or not. But here's the thing is that there are days, yeah, I, I wish, I, there, there, were day, there are days where I wish that our whole church would, would be black. There's days. <laughs> but does that reflect the heart of God? No! There's days where I'm like, yeah, let's go. Give thanks to the Lord. Like, I wish <laughs> our church That our dominant race in quiz Pam Sis was black. That's my barrier. <laughs> but the reality is that doesn't look like King Jesus. I'm sure there are moments where we're like, man, thank God we're all white in here because it's safe. It's cool. We're like, we're like, we're good. We're good. No one's hooping, hollering like, like we're safe. Like we're good. But that doesn't look like King Jesus. The church is this beautiful blend of multi-generational, multi-ethnic, just all this beautiful. I can't wait to have, like, go, like, be in heaven where I'm seeing the nations and the tribes and they come and they bring their own language and they bring their own culture and we're surrounding the throne of God and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and we're one family. That's beautiful. God is redeeming a family. But being a part of God's family also means that love is the foundation of his family. And Paul was, 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 was like, I mean, Paul was not a guy who was trying to shrug his authority or like, like you know, to wield his, you know, authority. Like he came on, on like the foundation of love. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. That's what love does. Love destroys barriers. And we all know that. Love people, love each other, right? Love over it. Woo! Right? Like, like there you go, buddy. Like, like, we all know that love is good and exists. But where we hit a snag is what happens when you disagree. Ooh. Oh, buddy. What happens when you disagree with the people that you are supposed to love? And Jesus, when he walked the earth, he reflected this so beautifully. That he was full of grace and full of love, but he was also full of truth. He would be in the dirt and in the mess with people who have sinned, but then he'd call people snakes and self-righteous. 
He walked this, this earth with this blend of, of, of love and truth. And we think that now that we can't love people and we can't disagree with people at the same time. And let me just say that loving someone and being, uh, and then at sometimes uh, disagreeing is not mutually exclusive. Now, if you don't want to believe me, try marriage. <laughs> Woo! I've known my wife for 16 years. I love her dearly. I would, I would lay down my life. And there are things, things. That we disagree. Is that right, honey? Yep. You better be certain. We have things that we don't agree on. But if there's moments where she actually disagrees with me about, like, the dishes or about whatever, I'm not going to be like, I'm gone. Bounce. See ya. That was a great marriage while it lasted. No, I have a deep love and affection for her, but yet we disagree. Now, if you're not married, then even like, like kids, I have my own children that I love so deeply, and we disagree all the time. Yes, son, you cannot live off of a diet of Doritos, donuts, and iced tea. I'm sorry. You'll die. But dad, I hate you. I love you. No, son, you cannot play video games for six hours straight. But dad, you don't love me anymore. No, because your brain will rot out. And then you'll start stupid if you don't read a book once in a while. By the way, like my son's right there. He's amazing. I love him. Thank you for letting me preach on you. Hear this. Just because God loves you doesn't mean he, he agrees like with you. That God doesn't love you because he sees eye to eye with you on your politics or your personal preferences. God doesn't love you because of that. He loves you because you are his and he created you and because you bear his image. And that's why sometimes if I'm honest, I don't like reading scripture because it challenges me. The Bible tells me to bear burdens of each other. Why would I want to bear each other's burdens when I got my own burdens? Why does Jesus call me to tithe, which, by the way, it's more than tithing. It's everything. Talent, like, 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 why would God call me, like, to this when I want to hoard everything and I want to buy myself some wings twice a week? Like, Why? This is the normal Christian life, is that we are being formed and shaped into God's image. And there's going to be moments where God 
disagrees with you. And we are seeing way too many people just bounce and leave the faith and leave God and leave this because, in fact, God disagrees with the choices that we make. And God doesn't like the sin in us because it separates us from true joy with him and in him. That's why he's so abhorrent against sin. It's not because of you. It's because of what sin does to his people. And so we run and we change, you know, churches and we ghost and we don't talk back and we leave and we have a hissy fit and we do all these things. When as a family, we are redeemed as a family in that same love that God showed us through his son Jesus. And and y'all, he's been patient. There's been moments as a Christian where I've failed miserably. But God is yet still so patient. And we need to have more patience with, with one another. That if there's problems and things that we don't see, of course, eye to eye on, if there's things that we don't like, agree, have patience. Have some love. Have some grace. Show that same love and grace. Now, I know that is way more, of course, easier said than done. But we're not alone. God's spirit fills us so that he can continue to reshape and form his family so that it can reflect the glory of God. We've been a redeemed family. You know, John 13, 35, one of Jesus' famous verses. He says, how are they are going to know that you're my kids? Not by our sermons, not by our doctrine, not by our dogma, not by our songs that we sing, not by our long hair or the skirts or no makeup or all, like, you know, no sex, no nothing, like nothing. Like, like it's, not, it's not, like how they know that you're my kids? It's by our love. But what's amazing here is that Paul is speaking to Christians He's not speaking to, not like, like, like he's speaking to people who should know better. Because the same gospel that we have received, we ought to show one another. So not only is Jesus the head of his church, not only is love the foundation, but lastly, we are a part of the family business. We are a part of the family business, you know? That was a terrible, terrible accident. Jesus has called us as his redeemed family to go into the world as ambassadors of this same message and this same good news, to go redeem humanity and to be people that reconcile people back to him. That we are called like Philemon and Paul and Onesimus, he says, guys, you got you to figure this out because you're brothers and we got work to do. We got work to do. And the church has been so consumed of what is going on between us rather than focusing on what is greater and what is better and what is good that unites us. And that is the glory and the grace of God. And so God wants us to take that same grace that we've received and go into our world, go into our business, go into our homes and our communities and our schools and reconcile people into the family. 
Because let me say this. There are people in our world who are literally dying, dying for what we have. There are people who are hungry for family. And then they walk into our crib and in our home and our family and they see how divisive we are and how mean and petty and salty online. And I mean, I can't even post about Starbucks without someone being offended. I'm sorry, they got better drinks than Tim Hortons. I'm sorry. They're expensive, yeah. But the reality is is that we're a family. And I really, really want us as a church like to get this. Because we're all about like revival and heaven being on earth. But let me just say this, we will not experience like revival unless it starts in here. We pray for our schools and pray for this and pray for our families and pray for this and pray for that, which is all good and dandy, but it starts in God's house. How will they know that you follow me? How will they know that you are part of the way by how we love one another? And I asked the Lord this week, I was like, God, why, why is Philemon a part of the canon of Scripture? I'm sure Paul had a lot more, of course, you know, you know, other things to worry about and think about than this whole thing between like Philemon um, and Anesimus. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me so, so real to me that this story is included because we need more people that will break down more barriers and build more bridges. You know, our mission statement, I'm not sure if you know this, but as a church, our mission statement is this, is that all people, that in all places, embrace the life-saving power of Jesus on earth as it is in heaven. Not our serving, not Love Week, that's great, that's awesome. Not our giving, it's our shared fellowship. It's our shared union. We are together because God's spirit brings us together. And let me say this and then I'll close. See, the enemy is not scared of a large church. There's a lot of those. He's not scared of a large church. He's scared of a united church. (laughs) He could care less if we're big. But what screws up his plans, what, I mean, what, you know, like puts him on like, you know, Prozac pills, like like what makes him depressed is when he sees the body of people from every race and every tribe family, one, serving and leading and giving 
and preaching and apologizing and confessing sin and being there and providing for one another and supporting one another and healing one another. That is what he's calling us to do. Because the gospel, the gospel of Jesus is greater than any barrier that we have. And so week one, we learn of the grace of God that we've been reconciled to God and that's the foundation. Week two, we talked about that that foundation leads us to reconcile with each other and then this week we've learned that that same gospel is the same thing that calls us to go into the world and reconcile people back to him, to the family. So my thought for you is who in this room, in this place, in this space, do you need to receive grace? Who uh, in your life is there someone that you need to be honest with and maybe confess some sin? I've wronged you. I'm sorry. Who um, in this space do you need to remind them, hey, we're a part of the same team. We are family. I don't, know, I don't know what happened to me. Like, we're family. I love you. You love me. We're brothers. We're sisters. Would you stand with me, please? All over this room. I'm done, y'all. I'm done. That's it. Would you bow your heads for a second? And we want to make some space for you to just kind of speak to the Lord. What's in your heart? Maybe there's anger at the church. What barrier do you even see in yourself? Well, I'm too introverted. I don't want to be around those people. God is saying, Welcome home. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you today. God, we thank you for this beautiful truth of the family of God, that you are redeeming one beautiful humanity. God, I pray that we would feel that weight and feel what a privilege it is that you invite us to the table, that you invite us to be partakers of this beautiful spirit partnership. And I pray that you would stir in our hearts to love our brothers and sisters, that you would stir in our heart to pray for one another, that, we would, that you would stir in our heart to lay down our life, no greater love than this, to lay down our life for our friends and help us to reflect the same love that we have received and to show that love to others. And may King's Church be a home and be a place where, God, you bring your family back home. May we be a place that's not stuck on pettiness and stuck on politics and stuck on all these things and different theologies and philosophies. May we be so enamored by the glory of God that may we be so enamored by the partnership that we share that, that it supersedes every single barrier. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Name we all pray. Amen.